Um, hi, I'm Jeff Levy. This is uh, the My Dog Brandy uh, podcast. And um, uh, if uh, this is the first episode you've listened to, it's really about uh, a love letter to my dog, Brandy, that I had while growing up in the Boston area and talking about his adventures and really the lessons in life that he taught me and my, and my parents while he was alive. Um, and, but more importantly, it's about having really interesting guests who have a link to animals across a whole range of topics. And um, I'm super excited to have um, uh, the, the next two guests, Dr. Jane Marquet and Dr. Uh, Shelley Frank. Um, uh, they're naturopaths. Uh, Jane is a homeopath as well. And um, I'm just really interested in just jumping in and, and really understanding, because I've heard those terms, what are they and how are they used? And maybe you guys can go into that. Hi, Jeff. It's Shell here, and I'm so excited to be on your brilliant podcast. So thank you for having us. Um, I was going to just tell everyone what a naturopathic doctor is, because a lot of people uh, aren't exactly sure. And a, a naturopathic doctor is a licensed primary care physician. So what does that mean? It means that a naturopathic doctor has a pre-medical degree generally, or a science degree, kinesiology degree, um, generally speaking. And then they take a four-year medical program <clears throat> learning everything that a GP learns, i.e. how to do a proper physical exam, read x-ray, read ultrasound, analyze blood, blood work, um, do PAPS, do you know, any type of physical exam that you would experience in your medical doctor's office. Um, we do learn pharmacology, which a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. And depending on in, in whatever state or province you're in, some naturopathic doctors can write pharmaceutical medicines, but we prefer to use natural medicine. So the modalities that we learn on top of pharmaceutical drugs are clinical nutrition, homeopathy, traditional Chinese medicine, chiropractic medicine, mind-body counseling, um, and hydrotherapy. So I have to say, when I met Jane in the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, all we did was study <laughs> because it was volumes of information. I mean, I know people who are solely just traditional Chinese medicine doctors and acupuncturists. I know people who are clinical nutritionists. I know people who are chiropractors. I know people who are homeopaths, like Jane went on to study that. Um, I know people who are just therapists. I know people who are GPs, but a naturopathic doctor is all of those people in one. Yeah. And what an extraordinary experience it was to have all this knowledge to help people and just volumes of information. And we really bonded because we both went through all that with young, young children. I had twins that were a year old and... It was my dream, so I continued on becoming a naturopathic doctor, and Shell had, how old was? Um, I, I also was a crazy person like Jane and decided to start my family in the middle of this, 
And it was insanity. I don't, I, I couldn't do it again if you asked me to do it twice, but I'm so grateful it that. Took, took a couple of years of healing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was intense, but so wonderful. And I do feel like naturopathic doctors have so much to offer people because of all of the training that yes. we, that we do. We can really look at somebody holistically. I didn't realize that you, you get a lot of the training that a GP gets. All of the training. And, I didn't realize that. You know, I'm, I always exaggerate that only in the sense that, you know, the things that I've diagnosed as well, besides just somebody having, you know, a poor diet or leaky gut or, or some sort of alternative diagnosis, you know, we've also diagnosed things like abdominal aneurysms and saved people's lives and pneumonia and cervical dysplasia and, you know, the same type of thing that you would expect going to a medical doctor. But the visit is 90 minutes and you don't get a quick fix pill. You know, if you see a naturopathic doctor, you really have to be prepared to do your homework to change the way you think, change the way you eat, change the way you move your body. Um, we ask a lot of, out of our patients. Mm. How, you know, do you, how do you help the patients make that like leap to be able to accept it when you're, when you're not prescribing a typical drug that they are expecting? You know, with each person, Jane, you probably have a very good answer to this too, but with each person, it's different, but really we have to get across to that person that it is your health, it is your body. I often say to my patients, you're the only person with a password to your own mind. Wow. You, you can't take me home with you. You have to do these things. You have to say these things to yourself. You have to look in the mirror and say, hi, I love you. How are you today? What do you need to eat? What do you need to do to make your body a vital body that you can go out and have a spiritual experience with? You know, and for everybody, it's different. But Jane and I really try to teach our patients that it is their mission in life to be the very best person that they can be for their own self. Wow. What? <clears throat> what? Not what? a quick fix. No, no. What, what, um, did you guys just wake up one day and say, this is what I want to do? Like what, what path led you here? Oh, I have a story. <laughs> I have a story because it ties into walking my dog. <laughs> great, great. So I went on to become a homeopath because of like my real passion of mind body medicine and homeopathy takes into consideration as much the mind symptoms as the physical symptoms, then puts it all together and you give a remedy, something made in nature based on that. But that's um, a big story too. But the story of how I became a naturopathic doctor, I was in retail and it went well for a while. And it was, I was following in the footsteps of my family. So it wasn't my passion. It was my, you know, okay. my family's passion. But as I went on, the universe started to tell me that, no, this isn't your, <laughs> this probably shouldn't be something you do all your life because things got very difficult. Money dried up. We could barely pay the rent. 
And, you know, then you really start to self-reflect. And I remember getting down on my hands and knees one night and I spent 10 minutes just connecting to, you know, meditating, connecting to my higher self and saying, I really need to know what to do next. I need to know what my life's passion is and what I should be doing. So about two days later, I was walking my dog, Ben, and, you know, when you're walking a dog, you're very connected to nature and yes. you're in this space of, you know, not thinking too much. You're just enjoying your, your best friend and you're out. And like a shot, this thought came into my mind, you should be a doctor. And I can remember it as clearly now as then. And I was like, what? Because I, I didn't want to prescribe pharmaceuticals like I that was not at all what I wanted to do but I had studied mind-body medicine and all this up to that point anyway I went and googled and the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine came up and I think I was enrolled in six weeks so (laughs) that's how that happened (laughs) wow Shell how about you how did you how did how did the path get you to this place I'm going to keep my story brief because it's a, it's a big one, but. Um, no, go ahead. I think it's really interesting how people end up in these places that maybe they didn't expect to at a, a whole other different time. So I, I, I always loved animals. I always liked helping, especially animals. Um, but I was also kind of a creative kid. So here I am in first year university, um, kind of taking general studies Uh, I came from a family where they were really um, wanting me to go to university. They thought that that would be a good thing for me to do. Um, So I was there, but I really didn't know why I was there. And I wasn't really enjoying myself. And then um, I got diagnosed with stage four lymphoma, which is a heavy duty lymphatic cancer. And it was crazy because I didn't know anything about the body. I didn't know anything about my body. I was one of those people who thought my stomach was down by my belly button. And um, I was terrified. And, you know, I was given six months to live. I, I did all of the chemo and radiation. And it was just, for me anyway, it was the most disempowering thing because it was A, painful. I lost my hair. I didn't find the medical system to be compassionate. This was my experience. Um, I didn't find the whole experience was just painful from a mind, body, spirit point of view. It was very disempowering. And I've always kind of, you know, marched to the beat of my own drum. And I didn't like getting filed in like, this is what you're going to do, or you're going to die and you're going to do all these things. And you know, again, my parents were really adamant and I don't blame, blame them as a mother now. Uh, but they were like, no, you're doing all your chemos. You're doing all your radiations. You're doing this. And I was really against it. So anyway, I got through that process and I was beaten up. Like I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. I didn't have hair. I was just a miserable mess. And um, by the grace of the God that loves me, I ran into somebody who said, you should see a naturopathic doctor. And I was like, a naturopathic who? Like I couldn't (laughs) even pronounce it. And there are are no naturopathic doctors. This is 25 years ago in 
Cal Calgary, Alberta. Like this is mm-hmm. this is a meat eating. This is not where you find naturopathic doctors. So I ended up kind of putting out this letter to all my friends and family saying, please, if you got 10 bucks or whatever, please help me. I got to fly to Vancouver. I got to see these crazy naturopathic doctors. I got to do it. And I was so grateful because people gave me some donations because I was, you know, poor and sick and a university kid. And off I went. And I remember going to see this naturopath and I had no hair and she put this orange, like, Ayurvedic ointment on my hair Mm -hmm. and she told me that I could heal myself and that I had this chi within me that I could heal my own body and I just bawled my face off and I woke up the next day and I had peach fuzz on my head and you gotta imagine I'm a 21 year old vain young woman like that was enough for me to go there's something to this and I'm I'm growing hair right and uh, I stayed with these naturopaths for the next four months getting this therapy and doing what they said and making these changes and believing in myself and I headed back to uh, Calgary and I found an acupuncturist because there weren't naturopathic doctors in the city that I was in and I said let me volunteer here just teach me about acupuncture I'll do whatever you say Dr. David Chu, and he said, okay, kid, and I switched to pre-med, and the rest is history, Jeff. <laughs> wow, well, the universe was clearly telling you to do, <clears throat> to move in that direction. I mean, <laughs> that's, un- that's unbelievable, uh, but it's also interesting that I think a lot of people who may have done that would never have taken it and say, okay, this is my opportunity to help other people with something that helped me. You know, I think that's, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of like unselfishness. I just felt like I have to give this back. I have to pay this forward. Yes. Um, you know, which is why Jane and I are doing empowered health. Like just to, I remember what I felt like when that naturopath said, you can heal yourself. I, a light bulb went off in my head and I went, what? I can heal myself? What? Who? How? Right. You know? And, you know, to learn all of those modalities that I I learned in naturopathic medicine, all of those things were so important, but they, they were born on that foundation of, I can heal myself. Other people might help me and other people will guide me. But at the end of the day, it's me that has to implement these things. And I have to have hope and I have to do whatever feels right for me. But what I'm curious, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the definition, like one of the things I've always been interested in is like, what, what types of diseases does this even, does it work and what types doesn't it work? And what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you know if it's going to work or not work? Well, I think the most powerful thing, like homeopathy is a little bit different and acupuncture it's a little bit different because it's energy medicine. So it bypasses the subconscious mind Mm -hmm. or or, sorry, the conscious mind. So even if you felt like, ugh, this isn't going to work, it's going to bypass that. So those medicines are very powerful and very tricky. You know, they can help the most pessimistic person and that person will always be, you know, they'll come back to see us and they'll be like, 
oh no, my cough is completely cured, but it, it wasn't that pellet. <laughs> and we're always like oh yeah that's good that's good oh you're right it wasn't the pellet but it doesn't matter homeopathy is a very humble medicine it doesn't have to take all of the credit but it you know i think for something to work people have to believe that it works generally to some degree right like yeah. we all have our rituals of I don't know. I go on vacation here because I feel like I relax there, you yes. know, and you relax there. Right. So. But there really is no disease that it can't help. Really? Especially mind, mind issues. Like we have seen so much healing in schizophrenia, in bipolar, in mental health illnesses that the medical world would say, hmm. You know, this needs to be medicated. This is this is not something we can treat. And we have seen so much healing in very, very difficult uh, mental illness, um, cancers like mine, um, anything. And, and in the reason I went on and studied homeopathy was because in second year I had such a great teacher, Nadia Bakir. She she took us to India where there were the best homeopaths in the world presenting their cases. And many of these cases were given up on by conventional medicine and wow. were healed with homeopathy using, you know, techniques where you take all things into consideration, all physicals that, you know, someone has all mental symptoms and then putting it all together to find the one remedy that matches that unique person. But, um, that's actually my specialty. I love when someone says, I can't be helped any other way. Can you help me? <laughs> I just get a grin because I'm just like, yes. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> well, I, I mentioned when we talked that I, I, I grew up with a family member that had uh, a mental illness. And this is, this is in the 60s where, you know, any sort of medicine, I mean, it's like the dark ages of mental health back then. Mm-hmm. And we made some progress, but there's still so much that we don't understand. And I don't, um, I'm not sure people would just naturally think that there's, there's an option with naturopathic and homeopathic medicines in this, in this area. <clears throat> I think people, like for me, I always thought, okay, if I have a muscle sprain, yeah, there's something that I could take, but not like serious, serious diseases like cancer and mental illness. And there's a host of them that this, this type of modality is effective. Very effective. And you know, it's interesting too, because what my experience when I was 20 going through all of the chemo and the radiation was, it doesn't intuitively make sense to me that I'm actually getting sicker. Right. (laughs) It doesn't seem like medicine to me. And so, you know, medicine, in my opinion, should be, I'm feeling better. This is medicine. Right. And, you know, if, if you look into the history of medicine, in the 18th century, they would bloodlet. Yes. And so as we have learned more about the body, we realize that, you know, most people die of anemia in that situation. Right. Um, of not having enough red blood cells, not having the oxygen that the red blood cells carry. But that's what they thought. Like, let's bloodlet this person with this illness. And imagine 50% died. But, you know, I'm someone who beats up a little bit on chemotherapy and radiation, but 
I don't think chemotherapy and radiation is saving 50% of people with cancer. Right. It's not even doing that well. Right, right. I'd almost would rather be bloodlet. As a businessman, Jeff, if I was like, Jeff, give me all of your money and you have a 3% chance that I'm going to give you any money back. You'd be like, right. you're not a good financial advisor, Shelly. Right. No, thank you. Right. Forget but people it. are going to these oncologists saying, oh, 3%? Yeah. Where do I start? Right. Where do I sign? Right. Saying, you know, take all the information. That's what our podcast is about. Take all the information that you can gather and treat yourself with as many things that empower you. Yeah. And make your own unique choice. You know? Well, I was going to ask you that. Is it, is it, are they mutually exclusive? Like if, if you have a mental illness or cancer or some of the, some of the things that are treated in conventional medicine, which, you know, are, are, are a lot of times are not effective. Like, can you take the traditional route and take the homeopathic and naturopathic route? Or do you have to, it does naturopathy and homeopathy, does it, does it, it can't operate in an environment where those traditional medicines are being used? You know, that's such a beautiful question. And the answer is yes, you can absolutely use integrative medicine, you know, and there's a place, especially in emergency medicine, and we're not, you know, we're trained primary care physicians. So we see where sometimes you actually have to use conventional medicine. If somebody had a serious Um, like pneumonia, for example, if I see somebody who comes in with pneumonia, I will also recommend an antibiotic. Okay. On top of doing the naturopathic medicine, um, because they have, they have pneumonia and we do have antibiotics that can treat that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, we, we definitely use pharmaceutical medicines as well. And even with certain cancers, sometimes, you know, if people are choosing chemotherapy and radiation um, as their primary treatment, then they come to see their naturopathic doctor to completely rebuild their immune system mm. to restore their bodies like I experienced. So, and that's okay. And that's okay. Just get all the information from everywhere and then whatever choice feels right. Do you they? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to go off on a story about my horse. Go, oh, please. Yes. yes. <laughs> Since we're talking about animals, yes. Shelly and I both live on a horse farm. And wow. we both have dogs. And it's a big part of our story and why we're so close is that we are both brave enough to live on a farm and, you know, look after everything and all the animals and people too. But about a year ago, um, well, a year and a half ago, my horse... Uh, broke his hawk which is like it was the back leg it's like their knee joint Mm. they call it the hawk and um, I tried desperately to heal it with homeopathy but because of the placement it just grew further apart so finally we we were like oh our only choice to send him for surgery and so the surgery well he came back and two weeks later that hawk got infected somehow something from the surgery or some uh, you know, something had got into the wound and I, you know, I was so freaked out. I called our vet and the vet came and he's like, Oh, Jane, I've never seen a horse get over this. unless you send him back to Guelph, they pack it with antibiotics. They do everything that 
you know, intensely in their mind, in their world that they can do. And I felt, oh man, like if I send him back there, I may never see him again. So I, you know, and he was telling me this horse is not going to live. So I used everything that he, I said, no, I'm not doing that because I have a lot of knowledge that I want to use. And I want to be around this horse for the next 24 hours, seven days a week until he's better. Cause I believe he can be better. So I had, I did like, I used both worlds. I did use antibiotics and I did let him flush it, you know, uh, twice, but at the same time, I started using things that I knew about, like botanicals and putting like a sea on it. And, you know, and I called, you know, because I was in such a panic. And because in North America, we immediately jumped to um, like this was sepsis, sepsis in a joint. Mm-hmm. Very serious. And so in North America, we immediately jumped to antibiotics. But my mentor, Divya, in India, she would have seen cases where. You couldn't do that where the patient didn't have access to it and they treated it only with homeopathy. So I was, I called her and I'm like, have you ever seen sepsis in a joint and what remedy did you give? And she gave me that information. And then I called a vet in England who treats animals only. And he, you know, we, I gave him some details. He gave me, you know, I think you should use these three remedies so these were people that had a lot of experience with horses. Well, the vet did. Divya had experience with sepsis. And I was giving him homeopathy every hour for three weeks <laughs> and doing everything else I knew how to do. And honestly, my vet sees him now and he calls him the miracle horse. Like he's jumping. There is not a limp. He is perfect. Okay. And my horse too is kind of crazy. And and that's something, Jane, you just brought up to me. We also study herbal medicine for four years. So wow. we use herbal medicine as our primary Botanic, medicine. Botanicals. Yeah, botanicals, yeah. naturopathic doctors. But when you watch animals, like an animal will graze in the pasture and eat the herbs that it needs. Yes. So they are naturopathic doctors in their own right. They don't sit there and go, hmm, what pill do I need to take? They know that food is medicine, you know, and I've, if you, like for my horses anyway, they wouldn't even think of eating like a McDonald's burger. (laughs) You put that up to their face, not that I've done it, and they would make a terrible sound and a terrible face. Mm -hmm. So animals really seem to honor their bodies more Mm -hmm. intuitively. In the spring, I just see them gobble up the dandelions. Yeah, they love the dandelions. So good for their liver. Is is there a medicinal benefit of dandelions for For liver and they eat their chamomile and they eat their red clover and they're cleaning their lymphatic system and their livers and they're getting the zen of the chamomile and it's like well who's the herbalist now (laughs) you're the herbalist not me (laughs) but with my horsey Olaf um, it's kind of an interesting story because I never thought I would live on a farm I've always loved animals I've rescued animals my whole life and I really feel like they've rescued me because they've just turned out to be my best friends. But I was at the point where I wanted to have my own horse. And um, like Jane, we started riding in our adult years. And, you know, the people that we had come in contact with in the horse world were like, 
you guys don't know what you're doing. You can't have a horse farm. <laughs> and thank goodness I don't listen to other people because I love my horse farm. But anyway, um, I ended up buying Olaf and within three weeks he couldn't walk. So he was a professional jumper and I don't know what drugs they had him on when I sold him, when they sold him to me, but he could not walk. He couldn't even get out of a stall. And he was misdiagnosed with EPM, which is a, some, a neurological problem that horses get often in Florida. It comes from uh, possum feces in hay oh. or raccoon feces. And so, you know, I was treating him with all this expensive antiparasitic medicine from the vet and, you know, he wasn't getting better and he was waxing and waning. And I, sa I said to myself, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. It's not even working. I'm going to go back to homeopathy and acupuncture. And, you know, these vets told me he'll never jump again. He'll never this, he'll never that. And I kind of believed it. So I thought, well, I can't afford to keep boarding him. I better find him a horse farm. Like <laughs> everyone else would be like, put this horse down or sell him, Michelle. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I got to get him a farm. <laughs> so here I am, you know, again, I got very lucky. The God that loves me finds me this beautiful farm. We haul him there with my daughter's horse, Pingu. And I'm like, this is going to work out. And with the acupuncture and homeopathy, that horse will jump anything I ask him to. Oh, so Jane and I are like very proud of our stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give up. You didn't give up. We did not give up. And we would I would tell him every day as I did the acupuncture, because I've never acupunctured an animal before. Mm -hmm. And I would say to him, this is going to be really difficult for you to understand, but don't move. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't. He's like, okay, I won't move. <laughs> so, yeah, they know. They know. They do know. And Jeff, when mine was so sick, I, because I believe in mind body and that I knew that he couldn't know that he was this sick. Mm. If we were discussing him, I asked everybody to leave the barn so he couldn't hear it. <laughs> Because I wanted him to, you know, get better and yeah. not dwell on the fact that he was sick. And I think, you know, lastly on that, like with Olaf anyway, because he had been a professional horse and, you know, ribbon, ribbon, ribbon. And I found out later after the fact that he also broke his knee. Mm. Um, I think for my horse, he actually needed healing in the sense that when I can't perform, I'm still useful. Mm -hmm. And that experience that we had together, like, oh yeah, I am so completely grateful mm -hmm. because the bond that my horse and I have of knowing that I love you no matter what. Yes. And you are valuable to me no matter what. And when the chips are down, I guess now we're farmers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my horse, my horse Lurch has a similar story because he was a racehorse, you know, probably started to train when he was a few months old. And I always, when he was his sickest, he was in a stall for about six, six to eight months. 
and I feel like he never really got nurtured. He didn't complain, not even a little bit. He loved every moment of it. <laughs> the babying. And, yeah, the babying and the rest and the mothering and oh, he just loved it. Yeah, and the other gift that I got when I found this farm is it's on a dirt road. It's not paved. And I'm bombing up this dirt road and I see this tiny, filthy little French Bichon. Like it's February. This dog is, you know, it's it's a lap dog and here it is running, running loose. And I was with my daughter and of course I told her to get out of the car and grab it <laughs> and uh, brought it home and, um, and then found out later that she had been living for eight years in a shack, mm. um, no food, nothing, no vet medicine. She had a huge goiter from malnutrition oh. and um, I probably shouldn't say this on, on air, but I, I, I ended up, of course, we're, we're definitely keeping crumpet and yeah. she's going to live the life of a French Bichon that she should <laughs> with a diamond collar and all the rest, <laughs> but she's, trembling for like trembling like just shaking like this for three months so I decided what she needed was to be with me 24 7 and you know that's not necessary that's not always easy when you have to go shopping and you have to get mm. food and you have to go to work and whatnot so I got her this service vest <laughs> <laughs> now you now you can take her anywhere I can take her anywhere and anywhere. only one time because it looked pretty legit. And I hope this doesn't sound disrespectful to all the service animals and the people who put in that training. But only one time I'm in Walmart buying some stuff and the checkout lady says, what disability do you have? Which <laughs> 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 I thought was so rude. <laughs> but I was like, and my daughter was with me and she said, my mom has anxiety. And we left it at that. <laughs> but we realized soon after that, that, the, you know, we had to surrender the vest and she had to get used to being at home sometimes by herself. But she mm-hmm. is the most beautiful dog. And she's oh. so smart because she's lived, you know, she's been a survivor. Yes. Life. And so she's so savvy around the horses. She's so intelligent. And she is really honestly my little angel because she sleeps up on my pillow like a halo. Oh, oh. And she taught me in life that no matter what, don't let anybody take your spirit because everybody who meets my dog cannot believe how loving she is, cannot believe how kind she is. And, you know, she just hung on until luck changed for her. Uh, I love her. And she lucked out finding you. And vice versa. Because I've got this French little Bichon cool dog. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Um, You know, when when you're talking about homeopathy and naturopathy, I keep thinking, is there a solution for a dog who has like a constant hunger for food? Like, is there something I could have fed Brandy so that he wouldn't be hungry and eat everything in the house? Um, so yeah, we would take his case. You would, <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Yes. 
So you'd want all his physicals, including the hunger, you know, how he grew up, you know, how long he was with his mom. Maybe it's a hunger, you know, to fulfill that need to have that loving, which is often the case if humans are separated too early. But yeah, you would take his case and then choose a remedy that matched his whole beautiful dog (laughs) story. And yeah, it would help. Well, have you ever taken a, a pet as a yeah. as a client? I've treated many horses. James treated many animals. Yeah. It's more difficult because they can't talk to you. Right. So how do you, you diagnose it to know yeah, what you to can't do? you can't ask them, does it feel better with cold or hot? But you can apply cold, you can apply hot and you can watch their body language. Yeah. And in some ways it's actually simpler because they will react. They react so purely that even if you're close in a remedy, it will often help them. Wow. So yeah, animals are very in tune with, especially homeopathy. You get a really good reaction. Really good reaction. And quickly, like within 15 minutes. Yeah. you know. Within 15 minutes, my horse was walking again. Wow. Just boom, like yeah. that. And You know, the other thing about animals, which we treat a lot in animals, is um, devastation and uh, heartbreak because, especially in the horse world, okay, this one's sold and they're gone. Well, what about all their friends that they have out in their paddock that they never see again? Or they worry, like my horse in particular because he likes to take care of other horses, he gets very stressed because he'll worry if one of his friends is gone and he doesn't know what happened to them. And I, like for me anyway, every time I've ever had a new animal, I always apologize to them for that. Like, I'm sorry that you were taken from your friends. I'm sorry you were taken from your family. I'm sorry that it works like this, but I love you and I would like to be your new friend and your new family because they don't have that ability, unfortunately, in our world. And Jane and I are very, very passionate about animal rights, which they Mm. don't have. Mm. And like, imagine, Jeff, if all of a sudden we came and you never saw your family or friends again. Right. And you were expected to play ball and you were expected to be a good Jeff and you were expected to just get on with your day. (laughs) Like, wow. So I always say to my, like, especially I have this beautiful Himalayan Momo and he is something. And I always say to him, your mother and father must have been so good looking. (laughs) I wish I met them. And he'll always look at me like, Thank you for acknowledging that I have a mother and father. Yes. They know. They know. They know. And that I'm not just here to please you, that I had a life. Right. Outside of this human experience where we dominate and shuffle animals around at our luxury. Yes. Yeah. And when they can't perform anymore. When they can't, especially in horse world. Yeah. Yes. So that's why I've got eight now. (laughs) You have eight? Yes. Because my girls had ponies and then they Ah. had horses and I had a horse. But I would, I can't, like it breaks my heart to sell them or to send them away from their family. So if you're like that, you tend to gather more than one. Yes. 
and we have a rescue and yeah wow so it can be it can involve lots of chores a day but it's such beautiful work you're out you know on the land and you're doing something that contributes and giving back to nature and it's such um unconditional love to muck a stall mm-hmm. yes or and to look after a dog or you know yeah. i have dogs uh-huh. And to know someone without being able to speak their language, but they know you and you know them. Yes. The conversations we have with our animals are all energetic. Yes. And that is, you know, we use energetic medicine, but I truly believe that the love that you have for a pet and the, the love that the pet has for you or animal is one of the best medicines on earth. Yeah. As you've experienced that with Brandy, yes, and Jane and I experience our whole lives too. Yes, you know, and I do think that getting a pet would help people's health. Yes, abs- absolutely. There's a whole there's a whole side of sort of helping people with trauma, just with just with dogs and animals that they find obviously PTSD and a host of things that it, that it helps. They're they're incredibly. They're healing animals. I mean, they're just healing beings when they're around, and you can you can feel it. I think you and can a lot feel of it. You can feel it. You can feel it. Well, this yeah. has been this has been really fantastic. And how do people how do people learn more about homeopathy and naturopathy? And how do people get in touch with you uh, if they want to bring their their pet or themselves in? Um, What's the best way oh, to do that? I just wanted to clarify, we're actually not, we have to become vets to treat a lot of animals, which is okay. kind of sad in Canada, but we treat our own and friends, but um, well, through how, through Empowered Health, it's up on Facebook, it's Empowered Health, a podcast, and we've got some great episodes up, and I'm Dr. Jane Marquis, and my Personal site is windwoodclinic.com in Shell. Mine is Shelley Frank Naturopathic Clinic. Very original. Yes. Well, it's a fitting name. It's a fitting, fitting name. I'll make sure I put that information in the description um, as well. So anyone that's listening, they'll be able to see how to get in touch with you because um, you, both of you bring um, sort of this sense of energy and caring when you start talking about this subject that um, uh, is great. And I, I'm sure people would love to get in touch with you with questions or get treated or anything. So thank you very much. I appreciate Thanks for it. having us, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, my pleasure. And then um, obviously, if you're listening, um, make sure you hit subscribe. So you subscribe to the My Dog Brandy podcast and write us a review if you're so inclined. And we'll, we'll see you next time. And we appreciate it.